Turkey is reeling from the destruction left behind from last week's earthquake. That, or actually now it's two weeks now from today's date. The death toll and destruction in both Turkey and Syria are horrific and heartbreaking. Before the earthquake, Turkey seemed to be at the brink of a breakthrough in terms of rebranding itself and working to ease many of the tensions it was facing with countries like the US, Saudi Arabia, Syria, and Israel. These efforts will not go to waste after the earthquake. Ironically, massive loss seems to always usher in diplomatic gains and gateways to dialogue. Over 70 countries have sent rescue teams, equipment, and over 1,300 personnel have been deployed from 20 NATO countries, including prospective members, Finland and Sweden. This should come as no surprise um, as natural disasters require a global response and solidarity. But it will be interesting to see how this unexpected turn of events will affect diplomatic ties between Turkey and the international community moving forward. Furthermore, with elections coming up in May, Turkey is going to have a lot of internal tensions to, gra to grapple with, especially with the possibility of President Erdogan postponing the, postponing the elections. The sociopolitical impact of this disaster will unfold with uncertainty. The question now becomes, what was Turkey's replacement efforts with the international community before, and what will it look like after the disaster? Here to discuss this with us today is Dr. Uh, Ahmed Uysal. Um, I'm going to hold on a second. I cannot. Oysal. Yeah, Oysal. Yeah, yes. Dr. Ahmed Oysal. I have a problem here with my. Okay, here we go. Dr. Ahmed Oysal is a political sociologist interested in studying Arab affairs and Turkish Arab relations. Dr. Oysal graduated from the Middle Technical University Soci Sociology Department. He received his master's and doctoral degree at the Southern. Illinois University, USA. Previously, he taught at the Pinar and Marmara Universities. Currently, he is teaching in Istanbul University's International Relations Department. Dr. Uysal lived in Egypt as the AUC Research Fellow in 2010, and he has recently published a book on Turkey's image and in Egypt before and after the revolution in Turkish. Is this correct, Dr. Uysal? Correct, yes. Okay. Thank you. Dr. Uysal, welcome and thank you for joining us today. I am your host, Rochelle Aboud. I am joined with Indu Saxena from the Consortium of Indo-Pacific Researchers. We are very glad, delighted to have you today. Thank you, me too. So we now have this new development in Turkey, which is the earthquake and multiple earthquakes uh, to synthesize in terms of Turkey's stance towards Saudi Arabia and other countries. Um, what was the significance of Turkish President uh, Erdogan's recent meeting with Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, and how do you see this playing out in the future, and how will this new development affect these relation this relationship? Yes, let's talk about a little bit uh, on the global, I mean, changes that we see that's also shaping regional and also domestic uh, affairs. And remember, we had a very drastic. Uh, COVID uh, pandemic, we have now Ukraine war, we had previously, we had the Arab Spring also shaken the region. And, uh, you know, uh, now uh, tension with uh, China and all this and a long time, even America is trying to pivot to Asia and etc. So there are many changes. So uh, the global scene is dynamic and fluid, maybe, if we can say. And also the regional uh, status quo that is shaken after the Arab Spring, 
with the demands for democracy and the status quo forces that are uh, trying to recover or going back to the original or the old order, if, uh, regional order maybe. So in this sense, Turkey and some Arab countries, uh, in, because of the Arab Spring and Arab democracies, they adopted different, uh, different perspectives. Turkey supported democracy and sided with Arab, Arab revolution, but at the end we see Arab revolutions are kind of struggling, but Turkey, I mean, is not like a democracy promoting country. Turkey, if they, if they have to choose, choose the, the people's side, but uh, of course uh, the whole global and regional powers uh, remain with the status quo, so they left the uh, Arab people alone in, in many places. Uh, so Turkey also uh, tried to adapt to the new scene that, uh, that is um, after maybe post-Arab Spring era with the COVID and with the global changes, etc. And now Turkey uh, last year uh, opened up uh, to the three main uh, regional countries, uh, Saudi Arabia, Egypt, mm -hmm and the UAE. Three of them, they were of course with the status quo or they don't like uh, democracies, but at the end, uh, you know, they, they are uh, significant countries, important countries in the region. And seeing the uh, global context, uh, Turkey, uh, I mean, the leadership thought that we need to reset uh, the relations also, because uh, the region is also in turmoil, many crises happening from uh, Libya to Yemen still uh, not solved, Syria not solved, and uh, many other things that uh, you, we already uh, know. Uh, and uh, so in this context, uh, Erdogan, he, he uh, I mean, tried to normalize or wanted to normalize with three major countries. Mm -hmm. The UAE was the, the, uh, the most eager uh, country to, to shake the hands, if you want to maybe name it, you say Turkey, extended its hand to to three countries and the UAE was the uh, the one who shook uh, very strong, strongly Saudi Arabia is, is in a normal sense Egypt is a little bit uh, uh, hesitant uh, maybe and, and we can discuss these but uh, th these are I think normal developments usual expected developments because politics is uh, also the the art of possibility you know there is no ideal politics and you have to balance between the idealism and realism and of course with the corona and all other things that are happening plus also the uh, i think you know the status quo camp also realized turkey is, a, is an important player in the region mm -hmm. after the exit of trump and you know if you remember kushner and trump and the and the Mohammed bin Zayed and Mohammed bin Salman, they were very uh, frantic about uh, I mean, shaping the new Middle East. But they realized also they cannot uh, decide themselves or they cannot shape the whole region, uh, you know, uh, because there are people, there are countries like let's remember the, the Qatar siege or siege on Qatar, or, you know, these countries uh, try to suffocate Qatar and they failed. I mean, thanks to Turkey and some other, uh, I mean, uh, countries and also the resistance of uh, Qatari government uh, and Kashyyyk uh, 
murder happened and also it was a blow to the status quo forces uh, and kind of uh, things uh, became even so they realized it's better to to cooperate than uh, than compete so mm -hmm. this is the logic that is also i think prevailing in the current state of affairs in the in the turkish neighborhood i mean turkey and its arab neighbors and we have syria file we have libya we have you know economic problems in tunisia in egypt is in is in very big trouble uh, lebanon is already you know i i, I say in i mean when in my analysis i say there are countries that already blown up that are also maybe ready to blow up like lebanon already blown up yemen syria but also with these economic changes and crisis especially food crisis that's affecting egypt and tunisia that may also blow up anytime and jordan is struggling economically and so there are uh, tensions, there are uh, you know pressure points in the region, if you may, and these these are uh, you know require uh, more attention, I think, for analysis. Yes. Uh, speaking of cooperation uh, between Turkey, Turkey now, right? It's I know Turkey. I just yes, we, it sounds like more Arabic now. Yeah, but Turkey, we, yeah. we say Turkey also. Turkey, yeah. Without shaddayan, uh, without emphasis. <laughs> yeah, we, we, I want to actually circle back to that in a, in a, in a couple of minutes, uh, why the name change and the rebranding. But speaking of cooperation, um, how much uh, did Turkey play a role, in, or Turkey, I should say, play a role in the cutback in oil and the decision for the, when the Gulf states decided to cut back the oil just recently? Um, did did did, it, did the country play any role in that, and and to what extent, if any? I think it was the arrival of uh, Biden era. Of course, after the exit of Trump, uh, you know, Biden talked big about or negatively about Saudi Arabia, Mohammed bin Salman, and uh, other issues, and uh, maybe election campaign, election, election promises, etc. But at the end, uh, we realized, you know, that America is trying to bully uh, or kind of pressure Turkey and Saudi Arabia. Similarly, I mean, different contents maybe, but they try to uh, force or uh, pressure uh, both countries. We, we've seen they are doing this in Syria with the support of PKK and the PYD. Mm -hmm. and other things that we we we, we complain about and uh, of course it's co uh, co coincided with the uh, biden pressure on the mbs and uh, turkey said uh, you know you cannot uh, decide unilaterally as america as a superpower of course maybe even hyperpower but uh, you know there are rules that applies to everybody you know and uh, they pressure uh, Saudi Arabia uh, to to cut down uh, uh, or to cancel the limiting. I mean, they were the OPEC wants to OPEC plus wanted to cut down oil production, and Biden opposed to that and criticized that. We said, I mean, this is their uh, their freedom. You know, you cannot uh, threaten or you cannot pressure them, even though we. 
financially we suffer from the high oil prices, gas prices, etc. But uh, Turkey publicly, Turkey, let's say, uh, publicly supported the Saudi position or the OPEC position overall. Uh, in principle, not in uh, in practical or maybe uh, more benefit-wise. You know, benefit-wise, Turkey was losing because it is hurting uh, high prices, hurting Turkey. But principle-wise, uh, Turkey sided with the, with the Saudi Arabia's decision. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So I think this created kind of a trust and maybe a link more stronger ties with Saudi Arabia. Yeah, it's just interesting to see this shift, you know, especially with the the recent NATO uh, row between uh, amongst Turkey, Sweden, and Finland. It's interesting to uh, you know interpret this shift in behavior on Turkey's behalf, Turkey's behalf. Um, but we'll circle back to that in a minute. So I want to kind of like uh, go back uh, to not go back. I want to talk about Ukraine a little bit and Tur- Turkey. Yeah. So um, Turkey's role in Ukraine, the Ukraine war and mediation in grain supply, for example, and the meeting of Russian and Ukrainian human rights commissioners in Turkey, uh, showing that Ankara can balance good ties between two opposing interests. What does it show about Turkey's growing foreign policy ambitions uh, at this juncture in time? Vis-a-vis the Ukraine war or with, with the region? Yeah. I mean, Turkey, yes, Turkey uh, wants to be, of course, independent. Of course, we are a NATO ally. That the the things that we complain about the American uh, policy, they they want the relationship to be one-sided. You know, they they want to dictate or they want to impose certain policies, and we go for it. No, we say we have uh, maybe we are allies for sure. We we don't want to fight. We don't want to. Uh, go into conflict mode, but uh, we also have our own security concerns and priorities and economic uh, interest and uh, social, cultural, mm-hmm. uh, you know, background. So we also, I mean, um, unlike what they say, Turkey is a, Turkey is a democratic country that is uh, elections decide who is going to win, not like the other Middle Eastern countries. If they have elections, of course, uh, if they don't, uh, they don't. We don't worry about that, but even, uh, I mean, everybody now uh, don't know who is going to win. So uh, everybody wants to please or attract to the, to the public. And uh, so this, this is the dynamic of uh, Turkish foreign policy that is uh, uh, economic interest, cultural values, idealism, and also uh, international, uh, maybe, uh, alignment etc so in this sense uh, we we are not happy with you know one side that's uh, dictating and other side is uh, also saying yes sir all the time and this changed uh, we realized it changed with uh, several crises happened with uh, even started with the uh, when AK party Erdogan first came to power in 2000 at the end of 2002 uh, Bush, the son George W. Bush, he forced Turkey to uh, to uh, to to join them with the coalition to invade Iraq. And Turkish Parliament said, "No, we we don't want to uh, to be a part of that." And also many other issues that's coming. And also Turkey became stronger economically, 
militarily. Also, Erdogan, he consolidated the civilian rule and gave him some confidence to say no, sense that uh, uh, he can uh, maneuver, he can bargain, he can. Mm-hmm. And we, we the, the main desperation or the main uh, worry or the main problem happened when, uh, of course, uh, Turkey was left alone in Syria. Turkey, uh, Turkey was very upset that uh, America left, uh, uh, allowed Iran, allowed uh, Russia, and also used the uh, excuse of uh, ISIS, the presence of ISIS, uh, to fight uh, to to fund the PKK. And uh, of course, leaving uh, the Syrians alone with the refugees, with the people's aspirations for democracy, you know, uh, un- unfulfilled. And this was a major breaking point and this, uh, maybe disappointment. So Turkey began to take care of its own problems by itself, to try to build its own military, uh, not not depend on, on America as much. Plus, you know, uh, Turkey's... Uh, um, producing partner of the F-16 and F-35. Now America says, you know, we don't want to uh, sell them to you. And of course, this is not even fair. We already paid even the even the price of it. Our share of the project, we paid it already. So, I mean, you cannot. Uh, you can be a superpower, but you cannot be as uh, sporadic as. Uh, yeah, I mean. Uh, as uh, uh, I mean, uh, unpredictable, maybe let's say, uh, or not committing to to your own work. And uh, Turkey now, then, especially in Syria, when Turkey realized, I mean, let's expand the Syria file a little bit more, because when Turkey realized that, I mean, America has, or the West overall, I know, I don't want to blame only America, but the has no intention to bring democracy to Syria, and mm-hmm. uh, and Syrian people were resisting, and uh, and Russia and Iran are were destroying the the country. So Turkey said, let's at least um, if the West has no intention, let's sit with Putin, let's sit with the major attacking parts that you I think in in the region you are well aware of how was it going, and uh, Turkey at least uh, sit uh, with uh, Putin. Uh, assured that the whole northern Syria was not given to the PKK or PYD. There are many namings that they are using to to distract people, but they are the same organization at the end. And uh, they, after they said, at least with Astana process, the Syrian crisis was frozen. I think it was a good, uh, at least good uh, way to, to stop the bloodshed because People were, I mean, million people were killed, and they also the others were uh, migrating either toward Turkey or Lebanon or Jordan or to the to the west to Europe and etc. And it, it's still a huge, of course, uh, suffering. I mean, uh, is continuing, but at least we 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 can say that the Astana process stopped the bloodshed. Maybe it did not solve the crisis, but at least uh, not more people are dying from bombings and etc or especially the barrel barrel bombings that were hurting people so uh, this is the, the, the disappointment turkey had and now uh, they are uh, talking but turkey 
now is more cautious. You know, uh, uh, Obama uh, promised many, many times red, red, red lines, chemical weapons, all this, and didn't do anything. So we are uh, also cautious against uh, Obama number two of our version two with the Biden administration. And I, Biden was next to him. So I think he's also part of this uh, situation. Uh, and uh, now, uh, of course, Turkey realized Turkey can maneuver between the superpowers and your question with the Ukraine war, the same, this is not our war. Of course, it is sad that we, I mean, we were fighting with Russia in Syria. We also, we uh, showed a big resistance uh, in the annexation of Crimea. But, uh, you know, uh, unfortunately, you know, some big powers or some circles, either they have their own agenda or their own priorities. When we're complaining about Russia, nobody listened, nobody joined us. Now they complain. And because this, this way, I mean, Putin got, uh, became a lot bolder, you know, a lot uh, uh, ambitious. And uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, we, of course, as a medium power or regional power, we, we did our best and still trying to, to do to protect our people, protect our interests also. Uh, I mean, we are not against the West, we are not against the East, um, but we, we also see there are changes, there are significant developments, so we should uh, take care of ourselves. Uh, and with Turkey, when Turkey downed the Russian jet flight, there was, there was a Patriot battery in the Turkish-Syrian border. And as if like uh, they wanna uh, send a, of course, you don't wanna send a positive message, but uh, as if the, uh, our NATO allies, they want to send a negative message. They withdrew this but, um, Patriot batteries, air shield, uh, air defense batteries from our border. I mean, so uh, we kind of disappointed and uh, this is the natural outcome. We have good relations with Ukraine, with Bayraktar. We also condemned the uh, invasion, not only the recent invasion, as I said, the Crimean annexation and air attack in in Syria, even uh, America and the West, they uh, went to stop Turkish and Libyan people. They uh, they tolerated the Russian Wagner in, in Libya. Now they are thinking how to get rid of Wagner from Libya. Honestly, this is the recent, uh, when the uh, CIA director Burns, he visited Libya. He, he tried to pressure Libyans and Egyptians, Haftar and uh, others to, to tell them to get rid of uh, Wagner Group out of uh, out of Libya, but uh, nobody complained when they came to stop the Libyan uh, democratic forces. Uh, so it is. It is a. Of course, we know it is not a fair world. It's not an ideal world, but we have to survive. Yeah. yeah well. I think uh, I think that Turkey's been in the news. Uh, Turkey has been in, in the news a lot lately, um, and that just goes to show how much uh, it's trying to rebrand itself as a global leader, uh, reassert its dominance uh, after the COVID nineteen pandemic and after you know the Ukraine war and all that. And uh, I think uh, you know 
well, now we have also the elections coming up, correct? About four months away, yeah. three months in May. So how, and you know, President Erdogan has kept close ties with Russia. Like, how do you think, how will the NATO, for example, uh, problem now with Sweden and uh, uh, especially with Sweden, Finland, affect uh, Erdogan's positioning himself as both an honest broker in the Ukraine war and a global leader? Like, how will he play yes, that? Up? Yes, it's a, a multi-faceted question, but let, let's say that Turkey became more active diplomatically in the global scene, uh, also parallel to its uh, its economic and uh, maybe military power. Bayraktar became very popular in, in Ukraine and uh, also around the world. Uh, and uh, of course, uh, Turkey tried to balance uh, its uh, idealist principles, uh, policies with the, uh, with the was real politic uh, that's uh, affecting everybody. We had the Ukraine crisis, of course, we opposed that, but uh, we, we didn't start the war. We, we are not also consulted with the, with the war, but uh, Turkey also when realized uh, there is a big shortage of uh, food around the globe because of the Ukraine uh, unable to export its own grains. and. Uh, so broker the deal between Ukraine and and Russia, which helped a lot, which helped uh, African countries, Arab countries especially. As you know, Arab countries they import a lot of uh, food from outside mm -hmm. and other other parts of the world. So there was a relax. I mean, I mean, feeling relaxed in this sense. And uh, one thing also, uh, Turkey. Uh, try to solve actually they brought uh, the two parts in the Antalya forum last year uh, they only Turkey I mean the first time uh, Turkish I mean uh, Ukrainian and Russian with the Turkish mediation of course came together but looks mm -hmm. like you know this is a super I mean uh, global war not uh, Ukraine Russia war I see yes. it uh, as a global war because it's fought between uh, three superpowers, and we have already four superpowers, and three of them fighting. You know, China, Russia, the U.S., and the EU or Europe, uh, we can say. And three of them are fighting uh, directly or indirectly. So this is a global war, maybe mm -hmm. third world war, uh -huh. and uh, it is not. Uh, I mean, it's going to take a while to uh, to realize that uh, maybe every time everybody is testing it, the water still the uh, I mean, the, the I mean, uh, the lasting or endurance, let's say, mm -hmm. they are uh, testing each other's endurance and the capacity of waging wars. And uh, the West was very generous uh, to support uh, aid to Ukraine. Uh, and not uh, the same generosity we see to help the Syrians and other needy people that's also we complain uh, about it yeah i mean uh, so when they give it to war you know they give in billions they give it to humanitarian you know people are dying in similar cases and yeah. uh, they give it in millions you know a thousand times difference and uh, so at the end turkey now uh, in i mean taking an active i mean uh, role in the 
the many different uh, positions in the Ukraine war, in Syria, in also uh, maybe normalize uh, a little bit, or I told you actually Turkey normalized with Israel a long time ago, but uh, things became tense due after the uh, Mavi Marmara incident and the relations were uh, uh, limited. Now it, it became like the uh, previous time, so uh, not much difference on this. But uh, again, we know uh, Syria file is also related to Israel, Egypt, Palestine, many, many issues uh, is related to also concern. I mean, it concerns Israel. So uh, we, we think that it's better to talk to Israel uh, unlike the you know uh, the Gulf mo uh, the formula, that they they think that let's give everything. I mean, Israel everything that uh, they want. Then we have peace. We think that let's talk uh, to get the Palestinian and other uh, regional peoples uh, assure their rights and I mean, negotiations and talking is the medium for this. So there is difference, but uh, things also. Uh, becoming normal with Israel more than before. But of course, we don't know uh, when Netanyahu made a, make a, maybe an awful thing that uh, can stir up the public opinion and cause a lot of uh, uproar maybe. So these things are not assured, but uh, we know, uh, you know, a, a new atmosphere, a new region, a new global scene requires uh, maybe negotiations, dialogue, uh, than conflict. So we, we hear Turkey more in, in many, many files. Yeah, I um, want to kind of uh, push a little deeper uh, on the Ukraine issue too. Um, I mean, is this, do you think in your, from your point of view, is this a sustainable strategy for Turkey? Kind of like, as we say here, straddling the fence, you know, between, for example, um, we just heard news that uh, Turkey and Russia are both coordinating on the gas and nuclear power to, to the benefit of Russia. Um, mm -hmm. What is Turkey's interest beyond the economic explanation in walking this delicate, if not risky line? Is there another <laughs> explanation besides just economic interest or you know uh, national interest that you might want to throw into the explanation? Yeah, I mean, it is maybe risky, but life is full of uh, risks. So you measure the risks. Of course, when we drive, everything is, is, is risky. We, we, when we drive, we take on an airplane uh, and you need to measure, you need to limit the risks. But uh, we realize Turkey is now, uh, you know, not, not like the old Turkey that is siding with, uh, with one side. And uh, there is not even like a real Cold War. If there is maybe a cold war that forces us to take side, uh, maybe, but uh, I, I believe personally, I believe in the neutrality and balance because Turkey is a bridge, even the uh, geographical location uh, imposed that uh, on Turkey because we are bridging, uh, I mean, Asia and Europe. Uh, mm -hmm. If you take one side, you get the other side against you. So we don't want to uh, have that. We want to we have good relations for both sides. Turkey can benefit. Turkey is an industrial and touristic country and has also strong uh, 
agriculture, but Turkey also can benefit from trade also from mm -hmm. uh, east and west and uh, south and north also. Like the uh, grain deal was a reflection of this, uh, uh, the link between, uh, and we realized how uh, are, how the seas are uh, important, you know, uh, with the Turkish uh, two straits, Istanbul, Istanbul and Dardanelle, or Bosphorus and Dardanelle. Straits that's the connecting east, I mean, north and south. So we can benefit from this uh, global trade, uh, global dialogue, uh, and we cannot close ourselves, I mean, Turkish, or we cannot just uh, limit ourselves to one side. So I think the balanced approach is has limits, has uh, risks, but I think has more advantages. Uh, uh, we don't know how the Ukraine war, maybe if the things get out of hand, Turkey also part of the NATO. So if NATO mm -hmm. physically enter uh, the war, Turkey has to decide either join the war or get out of NATO. So these yeah. uh, these are not, I mean, uh, these are still a realistic uh, option. So uh, uh, I mean, I hope things doesn't get out of hand, but we never know. That's interesting that you brought that up. Uh, NATO, you know, with Turkey's, again, with Turkey's uh, rebranding of itself and, and asserting itself on the global stage now as this uh, mediator, mediator slash leader, um, how highly do you, I mean, what are the prospects of, we just mentioned, uh, Turkey would have to make a decision if this escalates in Ukraine, uh, how likely do you think that could happen? And, and do you think Turkey will be the, like, the, uh, uh, the the country that actually ends up, let's say, breaking up NATO in, in, in a sense. And do you think that's a, you know, a benefit to Turkey or how likely is that? I mean, that's that's a probability. I think things are changing so quickly now that anything is possible. Anything is possible. I mean, it depends on our allies. They want to treat us like uh, puppets. In Arabic, they say dumia. Uh, <laughs> if, uh, or like a dependent, we we cannot take that. But if Turkey is treated uh, equally and uh, also is convinced, you know, as I said, we were against Russian aggression from the beginning. Yeah. But uh, if uh, uh, if you take uh, the decision without Turkey and also uh, want us to follow follow on this, no, we cannot. But if we are an equal partner, and we we want, for example, the new uh, new potential members like Sweden and Finland, mm -hmm. uh, Sweden and Finland. Finland, uh, you know, they they don't want to pay attention to Turkish uh, uh, security concerns, which is terrorism and also radical groups operating in in these two countries. Mm -hmm. They want to you know come together all the European groups and pressure. Turkey to accept them? No, we cannot. I mean, and even, you know, somebody comes and burns Quran in the Turkish embassy as if like a curse. I I see sense of, I sense some kind of a conspiracy. I don't, uh, some, maybe some, some hands don't want Sweden to join as if like they want to make a problem. But these things happen, you know, it is, they want the Sweden, they want to join the NATO, not us. So, they are the ones that are, uh, they should uh, convince Turkey that uh, we are considerate, we are also taking care of them, 
they did some, but uh, still not uh, not enough. And uh, they are allowing radical groups to operate and even you know use uh, you know unacceptable posters and all this. So we know other European countries also supporting the PKK, but at the end we uh, they don't need us as much. Uh, maybe we pressure them, but now Sweden and Finland they they need Turkish I mean approval. So they, at least they have to be considerate and they have to be attentive and then to set an example to others so turkey mm -hmm. is serious on this will not uh, back up uh, from its insistence because uh, these terror groups are hurting turkey and uh, we paid so much prices and now turkey is very successful inside that the pkk cannot operate can do uh, cannot cannot do anything uh, you know sometimes they just infiltrate from outside so if uh, outside operations is now cancelled, uh, so there is no PKK. So the danger is in the outside. So uh, Turkey is uh, pressuring these countries not to support them, and the PKK, uh, I mean, lost the ability to convince people to to take arms, to, to I mean, to go for separatism. Of course, there are some sympathy for the uh, Kurdish nationalism and stuff, but it is different from. Uh, you know, using radical, I mean, methods and also uh, maybe peaceful and democratic means. So the PKK represents the uh, armed uh, armed rebellion. So we are we are not saying cancel all the Kurdish uh, opposition or all activities. We these are you know there are uh, also they accept them as a terrorist group. I mean, they should go by their decision. You know, if you accept this terrorist group and this guy or this lady is part of this uh, opposite, I mean, this terrorist group, you have to do the necessary steps. So these are the requirements we are saying. And your question also, will Turkey break up NATO? I don't think so. NATO is, is a strong institution and uh, Turkey is the number two power in the in the NATO now building up its own also uh, fighting capacity so without Turkey I think NATO would be very weak so I don't mm. think the NATO uh, major uh, NATO countries will will like that and there is no discussing discussion to expel Turkey uh, from the NATO or no discussion inside Turkey also let's get out of NATO or something like I don't hear mm. that uh, that voice so I think the NATO, I mean, Turkey also so far uh, committed to NATO decisions, not like EU decisions. And uh, as you remember, we, Turkey tried to enter the EU for a long time, uh, and they didn't take Turkey as a member. Now, EU takes a decision to, to use sanctions against Russia, for example, or Iran or uh, mm -hmm. other countries, and now complain that Turkey, why Turkey is not uh, following uh, their decision. I mean, it's, you chose not to take Turkey, so why you ask Turkey to, to abide by that? So it is it's a complicated uh, situation, but uh, yeah. we are at the crossroads, so we know we, we are going to be affected by the hurricanes, by the uh, storms, by good uh, rain, and I mean, metaphorically, in, in the global scene, I mean, political storms and uh, all this, but we are also, we are affected, but I think we are also affecting these 
these dynamics and we, we I mean uh, geography is a destiny it is uh, it has advantages and disadvantages mm -hmm. I think Turkey is balancing that now vis-a-vis -vis the Arab world vis-a-vis -vis the even Iran for example uh, we uh, we balance our relations with Iran of course uh, there is competition but it doesn't reach to the level of conflict unlike some other Arab countries they always complain about Iran but don't do the necessary uh, measures or necessary reactions I mean uh, so just crying and just uh, complaining doesn't help so we we do the necessary I mean uh, convincing and maybe using replying in the same way that Iran is doing so it is I mean they each side they know each other's uh, position and potential so they choose not to not to offend the other side yes. speaking of um iran um uh, i know i recently read that russia was trying to bring together turkey and iran um you know which could possibly lead to the normalization of relations between turkey and syria possibly right because mm -hmm. there's this connection yeah. between syria and iran how will this normalization affect the sour uh, the sour gulf states relationship with syria and iran once characterized as being you know part of the axis of evil do you see any normalization like moving forward between these formerly you know considered enemy countries yes i mean turkey is uh, i mean uh, of turkey is a transparent country turkey uh, if they say we normalize with this country and no secret but you know the relations the arab countries relations with israel they do something uh, they say something in the public they do something else in the in the in the hidden so mm. but we are i mean uh, transparent we are obvious if uh, if you want to uh, meet with the assad regime i think there are many still many hurdles many conditions many problems between turkey and the uh, assad regime normalization and why we uh, we would like uh, uh, to normalize with the Assad regime to uh, to take care of its own uh, people, but still too too far from from this. Of course, we we can encourage, we can uh, pressure, uh, but it is so weak, it is so corrupt. Uh, and uh, you remember what happened to the aid that some Arab countries sent to the Syrian people, the Assad. Uh, aligned uh, groups that uh, st stole this uh, international aid and didn't reach uh, to the earthquake victims mm -hmm. coming from the Gulf, coming from Algeria and uh, some other Arab countries. Mm -hmm. So uh, so the situation, uh, I, I think it's still in the beginning and it's going to take a lot of discussion. And as I said, we have a, a now different world different context and uh, we uh, we are testing I mean the waters uh, what uh, for example what the Assad regime can offer can take some of the Syrian refugees back does he have the uh, eagerness the willpower or the capacity <clears throat> looks like uh, he's uh, lacking both of them so mm. he doesn't have the uh, uh, will to to take them back 
plus he he doesn't have the capacity to take care of even the, the ones who remain inside the country he doesn't even have the capacity uh, i mean some of them uh, may be uh, also related with the sanctions but uh, i think uh, it is more than the sanctions mm -hmm. and the regime already is very weak also we we talked to is uh, the supervisor uh, i use it i mean mushrifin uh, uh, on the Assad regime, uh, we already, I mean, the reason we are talking also related to this, if you are talking to the supervisor, uh, why you don't also talk to the, uh, I mean, without uh, justifying uh, what he's doing, but uh, if you are talking to the boss, uh, which is Russia and Iran uh, mm -hmm. for the Assad regime, and uh, why not also talk to the uh, uh, talk to the uh, to the real target uh, and uh, so we are trying to understand what what can we do and what can uh, what can be achieved how uh, of course Syrian refugees are also uh, uh, in a dire situation in Lebanon and Jordan yes. uh, and uh, Turkish uh, uh, I mean, the ones uh, in Turkey are a uh, little bit better off with economic situation, etc. But they are also hit again by the earthquake because they, yes. some of them living uh, were living in these ten provinces that hit by the by the earthquake. So uh, wish them best. Uh, they are suffering. Maybe they became one more time. They became refugees. I mean, victimized, uh, yeah. Uh, yes, we, uh, I personally sympathize with the, with the refugees so much that I even wrote that we uh, we are all potential refugees. And, uh, you know, true. with the disasters, wars, and uh, our people also became like refugee or migrants at least inside the country, lost their yes. homes and valuables. So uh, we should sympathize with them. And uh, again, the Syrians, uh, Maybe some of them, fourth time, fifth time, they became refugees, and they need international support also. Turkey needs support, but Syrian people need support more than uh, more than us. Uh, of course, Turkey is uh, aiding them, not uh, distinguishing between the Turkish uh, sufferers and Syrian sufferers from the earthquake, from the disaster, but uh, they need more international support also. Yes. You mentioned uh, earlier uh, sanctions. I want to kind of backtrack a little bit on that and have uh, ask you about sanctions. Um, um, as a follow-up to a previous question about the Gulf states um, and Turkey, uh, as you know, it seems as though that the Gulf states and Turkey are evading sanctions or seemed, you know, seem to be evading the sanctions placed on Russia by the West, or that's what the narrative is right now in the news. Uh, the U.S. Treasurer just uh, warned earlier last week, I think, or maybe about a couple, you know, a couple of days ago, that individuals and institutions operating in permissive jurisdictions, including the UAE and Turkey, um, risk losing access to G7 markets. How seriously should Turkey uh, take those threats? And what is at stake if it continues working with the Gulf states and Russia? Is there anything at stake? I think we, uh, I mean, we are clear that we are, uh, we are not, uh, I mean, obliged to uh, follow up. I mean, one-sided uh, sanctions either applied by the United States or by the EU. Mm -hmm. If there is a NATO decision, we go by it. 
if there is a UN decision, we go by it. And uh, also, we don't want to uh, enter, you know, the uh, the mere uh, payment system that was uh, used by the Russian tourists, you know, with the uh, with the agreement with the, uh, I think was a maybe pressure from America that we cancelled that, you know, the, those who pay uh, have to, I think, either use the cash or some other accept acceptable means of uh, uh, payment. I mean, there are some uh, negotiations, I mean, uh, coming and going, but uh, we we are not part of this war. We take a stance. We also provide humanitarian aid to Ukraine and also sell them Bayraktar and other uh, technological facilities. But uh, it depends on the how I think the current situation, if continues like that, it is not going to change much. But, uh, you know, uh, now some Western countries, they want to give uh, Ukraine these tanks and some long range missiles if if the war gets more uh, crazy out of control, maybe uh, the pressure or the tension is going to increase and it's going to uh, maybe uh, uh, put more pressure on Turkey also. But I mean, we realize that. But uh, so far, the situation is kind of a stable, kind mm -hmm. of a, a sustained war in a, in a sense that uh, we don't know where, where it is going. But uh, right now, I think everybody is okay with the current status. Of course, when the summer comes or the spring comes, and uh, I think this is kind of a, a sleeping mode, uh, in, a, in a way, kind of hibernation mode, the war has taken. Uh, maybe in spring, you, you can have very drastic uh, situations if, um, if Russia uses uh, some... Uh, small uh, nuclear weapons, tactical weapons, they say, or uh, how we don't know how many uh, tanks they are going to give to Ukraine, how mm -hmm. much will uh, effect they will have on the ground, uh, how many uh, long range or medium, medium range missiles they are going to give to Ukraine and how it's going to affect the situation on the ground. We all see these are all a hypothetical, also maybe a potential uh, situation, and everybody will adapt to that. And I, but I know uh, the West uh, in this uh, both sides, even the West doesn't want to lose Turkey, and Russia doesn't want to lose Turkey, doesn't want to have a puppet government in Turkey that's uh, maybe hundred percent with uh, with America. So I think the current situation is sustainable for Turkey. But depends on the nature of crisis, how 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 grave it's gonna get get, and we'll see. But uh, uh, I see. I mean, I don't see a serious change. Recent, mm. I mean, uh, soon. Well, the U.S. Speaking of pressure, I think the U.S. has a lot to worry about as well. Um, I, like for example, bilateral trade between the United States and UAE exceeded, I think, twenty three point something billion dollars in 2021. So mm -hmm. what's at stake for the United States for following through, let's say, on, on its warning to Tur Turkey and the Gulf states with its sanctions? 
what's at stake for the U.S.? Let's turn this around to the U.S. now, because I think that the U.S. has a lot more to use at this juncture in time. Yes, I just read the news that, uh, I mean, Saudi, China became the uh, the first uh, number, uh, I mean, number one trade partner mm -hmm. to Saudi Arabia. So, uh, I mean, maybe selling a lot of oil and buying a lot of Chinese goods, maybe that, that's the secret. But mm -hmm. this, I mean, it also shows that uh, also why Saudi Arabia became uh, in a little bit distance from Obama administration, mm -hmm. from from America. And uh, of course, after Russia, America still has China to worry about. I mean, Turkey is not a headache for uh, for America, and America chooses to be a headache for Turkey. And uh, of course, they have uh, China as superpower. I mean, it's a real competition, even more than uh, more than Russia. So uh, I don't I don't know how they are gonna uh, handle that. But at the end, uh, you know, superpowers uh, struggle sometimes gets very ugly. Sometimes small countries like Afghanistan can pay a price during the. Cold War, for example, let's uh, remember even uh, recent, uh, recently they are also uh, like Ukraine even uh, pays the price of being in the border. Is gonna is Russia gonna expand toward the west or is uh, west is gonna uh, push back uh, Russia uh, to a smaller position? So uh, these uh, global conflicts become or superpower conflicts can get ugly. I hope not, mm -hmm. but uh, there is still uh, a lot to, to see. And uh, Turkey, of course, is focused on Turkey, is worried about uh, recovering from the earthquake, of course, is not, uh, I mean, taking eyes on what's, what's going on in, uh, in, in the region, in the global arena. And we are very glad also Turkey is, uh, you know, all, all, all countries uh, paid a tribute to Turkey's victims and in the earthquake, sent aid, I mean, uh, very, very, very uh, significant and also very appreciated that Arab countries were more generous than the Western allies. So. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, I mean, just let me talk about a little bit, if, uh, if you may, uh, in, inside situation. Of course, the disasters hit a lot, but it kind of uh, creates a sense of uh, unity that's maybe not expected between the Kurds and Turks, and even with the refugees that people criticize them, and some parties, they they want to criticize them, and they were shut up, you know, by uh, you know, ordinary people, they don't want to uh, uh, hear this, uh, you know, uh, kind of racist uh, propaganda because they said all, all, all over the world, the people came to the rescue and why we should uh, distinguish uh, or exclude Syrians. And even the uh, kind of, I see that as a sociologist myself, I see that the sympathy also increase toward the Syrians, their sufferings and stuff. So it is the, the mood, even though we, we, we feel like hit by a major, uh, major disaster, but we, we saw a sense of solidarity and unity that many people, I mean, even my children, my, my students in the university collecting 
uh, clothes and uh, utility items that uh, sending them to to the disaster areas very very good uh, uh, sense of solidarity that uh, yes. i think uh, yeah, promises uh, a revival or a recovery maybe quick recovery i mean it's a big disaster but uh, uh, I, I we hope that it's going to bring a recovery from, uh, from amazing this. It's amazing how disaster diplomacy just, I mean, if we were just to stay in that mode all the time, the world would be a much better place. But yeah, yeah. If, if the countries the realize that life is short and, yeah. uh, you know, we have limited resources, we have to share with each other. I mean, this is the uh, crisis situation reminds us or the disaster situations remind us, but we uh, tend to forget that very easily and we, we try to take uh, more than what we deserve. Remind us of how much in common we have, you know, yes. as opposed to differences. Uh, Indu, are we uh, close to time? Are we over time? Um, so I can ask one more time, yeah. We're over time, right? Okay. Well, I wanted to, I well, you know, there's so much to unpack here. This is very, very interesting. Maybe we should have a second uh, round of interview in the future. Um, but we can um, have also a, a group discussion with your institute, with your institution, and uh, you know, bring our experts on Syria, on Iraq, and uh, maybe other. Yes, uh, uh, we can have a, a more roundtable discussion, even a Zoom roundtable. It can be a digital <laughs> round. It's not going to be too round, but we can, I think, make it round. Square square table discussion, square table, yeah. <laughs> a rectangle. Um, Maybe. yeah, there's a lot to unpack, and I I didn't get to like half the questions that I had, but uh, you know, it's 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 amazing what's going on right now, amazing and perplexing and uh, heartbreaking and all kinds of different emotions just going uh, going on all at once. And Indu, um, did you want to jump in before we wrap up? Did you did you have any questions for Doctor Uithad? I think she left. She says salam. Uh, okay, okay. Um, that, that's fine. Well, well. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Before we um, end this uh, discussion, did you want to tell our, our listeners where they can find you online? Yes, I, I am a good Twitter user, present in Facebook, sometime in uh, in uh, in the LinkedIn, I, of course, uh, I don't, many other outlets I don't use. Uh, I tweet in Turkish and Arabic and English uh, for uh, uh, for these developments to make sense of it. And uh, so this is a I mean, global and digital world, so we are not too far away from each other. I have a good contact from Arab uh, scholars also. We every as an institution, we just had a. Of course, we couldn't announce it. We had a. Pre, uh, pre, I'll send you if you have an email or something or mobile. Yes. You can we can share it here. Yes, I'll. Uh, you want me to? I'll leave it in the chat. Oh yeah, yeah. Please. I'm also writing. My WhatsApp number. And uh, we, we we had a good uh, international symposium on energy 
environment and food security with jointly with Istanbul University. We had a we had a good scholars from the Arab Arab world. Uh, we just had it last week. Of course, with the disaster, we couldn't. We, we I mean, people want to come. We we thought maybe can we uh, can we cancel it? Can we delay? I mean, postpone it? Postpone uh, it. Reschedule yeah. it maybe. But they said we we wanna be we wanna come to Turkey, show solidarity, and some of them already bought their tickets, etc. So it was a good. Uh, uh, kind of an emotional, uh, but uh, uh, I mean, useful discussion we had. I'll send you some of the. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'll send you the program. Maybe if you can also share the link uh, in the chat to your, I believe, um, I forgot what it was called. But chat, chat will will disappear after we close. So I'll send you by email if you, or oh, the link okay. of or the link of the conference. Maybe yeah, why not. Yeah, so maybe I could, we can share it um, when we publish this episode. I can also write something up and uh, share your uh, con you know, contact information for those who are interested in reaching out or maybe seeing your work uh, you know, moving forward. Because I know you've published a lot of articles I've seen on the... I'm sorry, I forgot what it was called, but... I'm going to send you the... This is, we do also a training program for the Middle Eastern Affairs. Oh, nice. Uh, in, the, in the center. Okay. Uh, we have uh, the headquarter in, in Ankara and we have a branch in Istanbul. Also, okay. if you are connecting somehow to Lebanon and stuff, please stop by. Uh, and let me write the website link or some. So what's your major in? Uh, uh, well, in I, I'm uh, right now I'm ABD, all about dissertation. Um, I uh, working on, I have a master's in public policy, international affairs, and I wrote my master's thesis on the Middle East and democracy. And- um, Hard topic, huh? Yeah, I, yeah, I was, I went into my PhD program thinking I was gonna expand on it, but um, things have changed a little bit. So right now I'm thinking about maybe, um, you know, uh, doing a dissertation on Lebanon, the pol political economy of Lebanon. Um, it's in the works, so we'll see what happens. You'll maybe. be surprised. I also did, uh, uh, I mean, we studied uh, the coup uh, against Erbakan and the soft coup in the 97, mm -hmm. uh, from a social movement perspective. I'm not a political sociology, maybe. I mean, it was a very interesting thesis in 2003, long time ago. Oh, uh, do you, can you share it? Sure, sure. Yeah, let me yeah. find it and share it. With yeah, you. you have my email, uh, Abud R. Yes, yes, yes. And, Center yeah. and, and more. I put the. Let me download somewhere. <laughs> so nice to meet you. Likewise. Well, I speak, I mean, my English is stronger, but I like Arabic. I, 
I have Arab friends all the time. I told uh, Indu, I heard, uh, I heard, um, I saw a, a YouTube video of, uh, of, uh, of one of your um, initiatives, something. I was with the BBC Arabic. BBC Arabic. Sometimes Sky News. Yes, Sky yes, News yes, call yes. me when there is only bad things happen. <laughs> Can you imagine that? They love it. They love bad news. <laughs> they, uh, when the uh, the coup, I mean, military coup happened, I heard it from the Sky News. Yeah. They called me something going on. What What do you think? I didn't know. I was watching. Uh, I mean, I was sitting with my family. And then I realized, then when the Russian ambassador was killed by the Gulenists, Again, they call me. Now they call in normal times, but in the past they were calling only when the bad things happen. So Sky News are calling to me if there is a bad, bad <laughs> thing happening. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's funny. Yeah. Well, um, I don't want to take up too much of your time. I really appreciate you taking the time out today to speak with us. Mm -hmm. And uh, I look you. forward to more discussions. Hopefully, if you have the time in the future, I'd love to reconnect. Yes. Uh, we'd love to and the institution is the what is the institution you you wrote to before? I, uh, I the, consor the consortium of Indo-Pacific researchers. Tamam. Why not we we do some Indo-Pacific researchers and or some dialogue something like that? Oh yes, our, definitely. Our center is or some center for Middle Eastern studies. Yes. Or we can say you know uh, roundtables or kind of dialogues or whatever we can. Definitely. So we can have it more systematic, not like one person. Of course. But yes. we can have, you know, people on the Zoom or we can do YouTube. Uh, people ask questions. I mean, and can be public or closed uh, sessions, no problem, depending on the situation. And uh, I. Uh, and if you're I interested, those, to, yeah. I'm sorry, I was going to just quickly tell you before I forgot. Um, I'm interested. We were talking about uh, Indu and I of putting together a discussion on uh, uh, dem democracy and, and democratic backsliding, and having like a sort of like a, a, a discussion on the um, theoretical uh, part of democracy, like a theory versus practicality versus application. Yes, yes. You you find you you have me on this. I, yeah. Okay. I, I good. I have chance, you on board. <laughs> I I had a chance to I mean study Turkey situation. Went to America. I know the uh, Western democracies, and last 20 years almost like working on the Arab world. I know how to live under. I lived in Egypt under Mubarak, mm -hmm. and I, I know the feeling living under a dictator. So awesome. people, awesome. people sometimes in Turkey say Erdogan is a dictator. I said you don't know uh, yeah. how. How the, how it sounds like under the dictator. You cannot, I mean, even say dictator. You can have you have to applaud yeah. uh, all the time the dictators. Otherwise, you'll in, you'll be in trouble. Yeah, but uh, think, we uh, can we can uh, have a good dialogue on this. Uh, yeah, and I I think Arab democracy is still uh, in the progress, not finished. I mean, of course, of course, that's my people's mm -hmm. aspirations. Even it is uh, disappointed. But they want people want freedom, dignity, development, and you know, Arab countries have everything. And why they should suffer like this? Yeah, I agree 100%. It's very it aspirational. Yeah. Yes, yes, it is sad. It's very aspirational. Uh, that's, 
the situation is is not uh, even in Lebanon. Oh, poor Lebanon! Un I... Unfortunately, you are paying many prices, not only one. Yeah, you're paying the price for the Assad price for the being a small country. Uh, I mean, everybody is pulling in each side, uh, and uh, Saudis uh, intervening a lot and not giving a lot also. Uh, mm -hmm. But they want to be like boss. Yeah. Uh, and uh, of course, uh, hard situation. You have Hezbollah. You have Israel. You have many, many. Many players. Many headaches, many like, players. Like, like us, yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting to also maybe talk about, to include in, in the future discussions, uh, the, the relationship between Turkey and Lebanon. That's not really. Yeah, much yeah, we should, we should. Yeah, it's very interesting. Um, I have friends also from Lebanon. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. Sorry, kept you this long. I'm gonna send send you the email. We'll we'll go from there, inshallah. Wish the best. Okay, thank you so much. In which state? New Jersey. New Jersey, East Coast. Okay. East Coast. Good luck. Good luck. Stay safe. Thank you. Stay safe. Salam. All right. Bye bye. Bye bye. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm.